Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Breaking and entering, drunk and disorderly, law and order. A former prosecutor and a defense lawyer, not your typical pairing. And the result? Conversations about crime and punishment that are guaranteed to get you thinking. Welcome to Justice Matters with Joe Crowley and Lizzie Green, a brand new weekly podcast. Our episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Check out our Instagram for clips at Justice Matters Pod. Enjoy the episode. This episode contains descriptions of suicide and related activities. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Lizzie. How are you? Good, Joe. How are you? I am well. Welcome back to another episode of Justice of Matters. Justice, sorry, I was just a long pause there. Of Justice Matters. Yes. Conversations about crime and punishment. Now, I, I think you want to talk today about um, cyber bullying. I do. And it's, look, there's a lot in this topic, mm. um, but I'm looking specifically at the fact that cyberbullying has been increasingly leading to suicide, particularly mm. in teens. And I'm looking at the legal response to cyberbullying as an activity and whether it is sufficient in mm. light of the fact we are losing teenagers as a consequence of this kind of bullying. Mm. So I want to start with a fact. Yes. Okay. So according to a 2019 study of psychologically hospitalized adolescents, one in 10 surveyed teenagers were hospitalized specifically because of cyberbullying and the fact that they had self-harmed mm. because of that mm. cyberbullying. Now that is people who are able to be um, surveyed. Mm. Obviously the rates of teen suicide, it is the leading cause of death of teenagers, suicide. Suicide, okay, yeah. Um, and that can be for a variety of causes, reasons and that sort of thing. But there is no denying 
that cyberbullying plays a part in many teenagers' decisions to kill themselves. Mm. I did just a Wikipedia search of teenagers who had committed suicide after being cyberbullied mm. and a list of over 30 names wow. immediately popped up. Mm. And obviously that's in the last 20 years and yes. obviously we're talking about cyberbullying and so the advent of the internet really took off maybe 2010 onwards, it's really increased. Mm. So if we think about that number of lives lost as a consequence of being cyberbullied, it, mm. it's unacceptable, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I should say that, you know, there are related considerations outside the law that I think have to be part of a discussion about cyberbullying. And as a parent, mm. and by far from a perfect parent, let me tell you, um, technology has been one of the biggest battles I've mm. had with my kids. Mm. So they are now aged between 14 and 20. Yeah. But from age seven or eight, we had conversations, requests, discussions about them getting their own devices, about having a mobile phone, about different social media platforms that they wanted access to. And I know that in my position as a former prosecutor, now an academic who immerses myself yeah. in crime, yeah. um, I was really probably over the top in my rules mm. relating to technology. And mm. it's and it's really tough as a parent to yeah. be saying no. But so none of my kids, for example, got a mobile phone until they got to high school. Yeah. I didn't let my children get Facebook Instagram mm. until the recommended legal age. Oh, what's the recommended legal age? So for Facebook, it was 12. Yeah. For Instagram, it was 13. Yeah. And Snapchat was 14. Yeah. I don't know if they're still the recommended ages, but honestly, it was like I was torturing my yeah. eldest child yeah. because she was literally the only person who didn't have Snapchat. Yeah. And I remember having a discussion with her and saying, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not so concerned about you necessarily yeah. doing the wrong thing, but you can't control what gets sent to you. And she goes, Mum, are you talking about dick pics? <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, you know, she's 13 at yeah. the time. I'm like, uh, well, yes, part of part of it's then. She goes, well, I've already seen dick pics on my friend's phones. I was wow, like, yeah. oh, my goodness. So that's mm. at 13. Mm. And, you know, I still have rules. Like my kids who are still children, mm. so not my 18 or 20-year-old, but the other two are not allowed to have their phones in their room at yeah. night. You know, like, yeah. and it's really hard to police mm. technology, but I think that's part of the problem mm. is this unlimited access yeah. to inter internet, social media, yeah. you know, and it's so easy to be in your room and join in on yeah. Yeah. You know, commenting or yeah. you know, so and that, yeah. I mean, I have the same. Yeah, I have the same issues with my kids, and the, and the problem I find is that the iPhones are such a useful tool for a whole range of things. Yeah, um, you know, so I try and take phones off my kids at night, and they're like, oh, I need it. I need the alarm on the phone, or you know, so going and buying an old fashioned alarm clock like we used to have. I did that clock, for Christmas. Did you? Yeah, clock radio. Yeah, I mean, I've got lots of kids, as you know. Oldest is twenty nine, younger is seven so i've had kids who went through pre um smartphones and uh, but 
the way they interacted with their friends, particularly my oldest son, was through these online video games. But that is now, and so it was trying to keep him off these online video games, you know, well, not all the time, but to monitor that. But now the, the kids just constantly communicate with each other. Always. Over these um, platforms like Snapchat. I mean, I remember when Snapchat came in, it was not that long ago, so, but it, it was my recollection was specifically designed so you could send these compromising slash obscene pictures to people because they disappeared after yep. 30 seconds. So when my kids were saying, can I get Snapchat? I'm thinking, no, you can't get Snapchat. Mm. But it's now just the standard way to communicate. It's yeah. sort of lost that original its original intention. Well, and according to my kids, Facebook is for old people. <laughs> yeah. um, and Instagram, I think, is borderline, you know, but yeah. Snapchat is... The primary yeah. means of communication. Yeah, I mean, I I think parents and schools, to an extent, you know, have to play a part. But I I'm coming at this today from a legal perspective. Yep. yep. So, I think probably everybody has an understanding of what mm. bullying is. Um, the definition I found is a systematic mm. abuse of power. Mm. So you know, people. When my kids were little, oh, so-and-so's being bullied. And we really had to explain that bullying is repeated conduct. Mm. So it's not a one-off fight or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So it has to be that systematic abuse. And traditional bullying is in person, mm. usually physical or verbal taunts or whatever yeah. it might be. But over the past two decades, we've had this immer emergence of cyberbullying mm. because of, you know, the smartphones and the internet and all of the rest of it. So one of the biggest issues I think is that if you're being bullied at school, for example, you go home at the end of the day and that bully is not there. Yeah. But with cyberbullying, they're always there. Yeah. And yes, people can turn off their social media, but at the same time, these teenagers have grown up with it and it is, mm. like you said, their major form of communication. Yeah. And they're not going to do that. Yeah. Like it's too much for them to say, right, I'm not going to be on social yeah. media. Yeah. And so it's consistently there and always available. Yeah. And you can't you can't get away from no. it. I mean I I mean I understand that, you know, sort of intellectually, but I, I just cannot sort of understand that. It, you know, because I, I'm gonna switch off my phone, don't look at it, no problems at all. But I didn't grow up with it. And that, you know, if I want to communicate with my friends, I phone them or I send them a text message, yes. which is probably even older. You know, I would almost never i mean maybe whatsapp in a family group but you know so i, I can't even get into that mindset where you just you that is the primary sort of yeah way that's of right. and I, I understand it exists but that's why i've sort of struggled a bit with cyberbullying because i just think well just turn it off but i you know i think your points are exactly right they it's not that's it's not a practical really. yeah answer yeah whether we from our generation like that or not yeah that's the reality yeah so I thought I'd have a look and see what kinds of cases are out there where there is a link between cyberbullying and suicide. And honestly, I, I could have written for days. Mm. There are so many. Mm. So I'm going to give you a few. And I think it's important to think about these victims, these mm. teenagers. And I call them victims because although they all committed suicide, the contributing factors were external mm. and I think that's where the law needs to do more. Mm. Now, the first one I'm going to start with, and I'm, I'm starting with Australian cases, yeah. is a little, well, 
yeah, a little girl called Dolly, and she's quite a famous face mm. of bullying. Um, she was featured in the Akubra hat campaign when she oh. was small, like just oh, the most wow. beautiful little girl. Mm. Um, her family lived in the Northern Territory in a remote on a remote cattle station in the Catherine region. And she was 14 at the time that she committed suicide. She had, her parents had made the difficult decision to send Dolly and her sister to boarding school. They mm. weighed up all of the pros and cons and thought that that would be the best for them mm. and their future to go to boarding school. And they came to a boarding school in Queensland. Um, so she went there when she was 12 and she just... It sounds like she just never fitted in. Mm. So from age 12, when she went to the school, um, she had been called a slut. Mm. She had been physically bullied and pushed. She eventually retaliated against one of the boys and she punched him. She got suspended mm. for that. Um, and the school, according to Dolly's parents, said, kids will be kids. Mm. There's nothing we can do. Mm. And so Dolly had struggled with the treatment she was experiencing mm. and she was home on the Christmas holidays which here in Australia go from December through to the end of January. Mm. She had been cyberbullied over this time. Yeah. So there was um, an inappropriate photo that she had taken of herself mm. at the urging of a boy mm. in her grade and she gave it to him and he shared it. Mm. Um, and so then she was being called a dirty slut and a bitch and that she should mm. kill herself. Mm, really? Expressly? Yes. yes. Mm. So she told her parents about that. She said she wanted to leave the school and then over these holidays she came up with this resolution to go back and face them. Mm. But then in early January... One night, they're preparing to go on a family holiday before the holidays came to an end. She and her sister went up to bed after a normal evening and she killed herself. Oh, that's so sad. Just so sad. Um, and her poor parents, because they lived on such a remote station, they found her and called for help. Mm. And it was literally hours before anyone could come. Mm. And Dolly's mum said she just sat there with her thinking, how have I failed her? Mm. You know, and this mm. is like... This is the thing with these suicides is the ripple effects are just mm. so horrific. Yeah. So anyway, they they worked tirelessly to raise awareness of cyberbullying and the mm. impacts and there was law reform as a result in New South Wales in 2018 with the introduction of Dolly's Law which criminalised cyberbullying. Mm. So that law says if the actions of an online abuser cause people to fear physical or mental harm, then they can face a maximum of five years. Okay. So that that was a little bit of law reform. Next case we've got is Emily from the Gold Coast, mm. 2018. She was 13 and she committed suicide after months of physical, verbal and online bullying. Mm. Her mum told the media that, Emily had been a bright and bubbly normal teen until the bullying commenced. Yeah. And she said how Emily would hide in the school toilets to avoid mm. being seen by anyone. She texted her mum the night she died telling her she was going to kill herself, but her mum saw the messages too late. Then mm. we had uh, Brian from the Sunshine Coast, 2018. There was an element of cyberbullying here, but also a lot of physical bullying. 
primarily because he had red hair and freckles. Mm. Like that's, you know, he changed school seven times in seven, seven years. Seven times. Yep. He attempted suicide and he now doesn't attend school mm. because he cannot face going back. Mm. Then we had Aiden last year in Brisbane. So he was 13, again, described as a bright and beautiful teen and he committed suicide after his bullying experience. Um, it was just, it wasn't detailed what the bullying was exactly, but I think it was a mix of physical and cyberbullying. Mm. And the school's official response to his suicide was that reports of bullying at school were misleading and inaccurate and they had not received any complaints. Wow. Mm. Okay. Um, then we have some international cases. Mm. So we're going back now to 2008 in the US and a girl called Megan who was 13 when she committed suicide. Um, this was shocking, this one. So the person who triggered the suicide here was actually a 49-year-old woman oh, wow. who was the mother of a girl that Megan had had a falling out with. And so this mother posed online as a 16-year-old boy and started a virtual relationship with Megan. Um, and at the end of the romance, the woman, her name was uh, Laurie Drew, this 49-year-old mother, mm. broke up with Megan as the 16-year-old boy, broke up with Megan using really harsh language and suggested that the world would be a better place without Megan in it. And 20 minutes later, wow. she committed suicide. Wow. Yeah. Like mind-boggling that it happens at all, but for a 49-year-old yeah, woman yeah, to do that, just... Yeah. Um, now, this name, I don't know how to pronounce. I think it's Rayta, R-E-H-T-A-E-H. This is a Canadian case, 2013. So she was sexually assaulted by a group of boys mm. from her high school at a party in 2011. And one of those boys, one of those offenders, took a photo of the act at the time oh. and then circulated it around her high school. And she was characterised as a slut and as a party girl, and she faced intense and relentless cyber harassment mm. as a mm. result of that. And that went on for months. They did go to the police and the police said they couldn't do anything. There were no threats to her physical safety. Nothing was or could be done to mm. stop the circulation of the photos, remembering this is back in the very early 2010s. Mm. And so she, her um, anxiety, panic attacks... Her anger all increased and in 2013 she attempted suicide and three days later her parents had to make the decision to take her off life support. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Really bad. I know it's a lot to take on. No, yeah. Um, 2013 case from Italy. Mm. Oh, sorry, did you? Oh, I was just going to say, so I've been thinking, so you talked about this new offence of cyberbullying, um, but there there is an older offence um, in relation to suicide, certainly in Queensland. I assume it's about aiding in the aiding suicide because that's how euthanasia was effectively outlawed, wasn't it? You couldn't help somebody commit suicide, so a doctor couldn't give you a lease. That's right. That's what you administered. Uh, so that you know, I, I take it you feel that's not that wasn't sort of sufficient to cover this kind of. Well, so what the law the law. In every state in Australia, every state and territory, there are laws against aiding or inciting suicide. Like right. they, they yes. exist in yes. every jurisdiction. Yes. Um, but all of the maximums are between two and five years. Yes. And 
I searched and searched to find cases where charges had been brought under those individual wow. provisions yeah. in relation to, to bullying like this. None. Wow. And, and I, look, I searched my proper legal research database yes. through uni yes. and I'm pretty good at research. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I'm not saying there are no cases, yeah. but they certainly are not coming up easily. Yeah. And if we think about the recentness of mm. the internet, like we're not talking about trying to find cases from the 40s or 50s. These would have to be relatively yes. recent cases. Yeah. Yeah. So my issue is that, yes, there are moves and there are other charges. So you can charge stalking yep. so um, on the basis yep. of using a carriage service to cause fear, intimidate or harass. Harass, yeah. Okay. Um, stalking carries with it other elements like having to show an intention to cause that fear, yep. which I think with cyberbullying... It can just be harassment, can't it? Or harassment, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and it's got to be on one prolonged occasion or on multiple occasions. That's right. And and there are, again, stalking charges in all jurisdictions and there yeah. have been recent reforms to reflect the use of technology. Yes. And a lot of that has stemmed from domestic violence-related charges yeah. where partners are using the internet inappropriately yeah. to maintain contact or to harass but it fits, like it fits with cyberbullying. But again, I can't find cases like this, yeah. you know? And, and isn't one of the problems, particularly with some things like aiding in the commission of suicide or inciting it, you've got to expressly be saying you should commit suicide or you should kill yourself, whereas a lot of these cases seem to be it's just it's just abuse and, um, you know. Yeah, so there's both, not, yeah, as in we've got. Case examples yes. of both, but the law is a little bit more narrow. Yeah, so the cyberbullying sp specifically pits up. You're not, you're not actually saying that they should commit suicide, but you are. What are the words used? Is it bullying? Is that is that now legally defined as? For what? In the in the cyberbullying charge. If the actions of an online abuser cause people to fear physical or mental harm. Physical or mental harm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if we think about some of the aiding suicide. For example, WA has Section 288 of the Criminal Code Act, Compilation mm. Act, and it makes it an offence to procure another person to kill themselves, to counsel another person to kill themselves and induce them to do so or to aid another person. Yeah. Um, the ACT, if you incite or counsel a person to commit suicide, then... You yeah. can be charged. So those would have covered the cases you gave, for example, that American case, assuming it happened in Australia, where the 49-year-old mother pretends to be the 16-year-old boy saying the world would be a better well, place Well, if it you. fits the legal definition of insight or counsel, and counsel in terms of party provisions at least means to encourage or procure. Mm. So, uh, no, counsel means to encourage beforehand by word or deed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, it would. It would fit. But then the ones like Dolly's case from Recollection, there was no... Th no explicit. It was just abuse, effectively. That's right. Just overwhelmed her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, only got, I've only got three more cases. And okay, yeah, yeah, okay. no go. So there was Carolina or Carolina from Italy mm -hmm. in 2013. She was 14. She had been cyberbullied for an extended period of time. Um, again, it started with the distribution of a compromising video over mm. social networks by her former boyfriend, which God knows why, but it sparked a wave of online violence against her. And on the day she committed suicide, she had received over 2,600 
denigrating and disparaging messages on WhatsApp. Wow. Like how do you how do you cope with that? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Degree of vitriol. Yeah, yeah. Like these are 13 and 14 yeah. olds. One of the toughest ages to have mm. to live through as it is, mm. you know. Okay, and then we get to one where there were charges brought. So this is a U.S. case. Yeah. Um, and so there are a couple of states in the U.S. where the the courts have been a little bit more willing mm. to hold someone responsible for the death itself mm. rather than the conduct of sending messages. Mm. So this was a case of Conrad Roy and it was a 2014 case. He was actually 18 years old and he killed himself um, by putting a portable gas canister in his car. Mm. He was parked in the car park of a Kmart um, and he gassed himself. So he had struggled with depression and there was a police investigation into his death Mm. and it turned out that there had been a series of over a 1,000 text messages exchanged with his 17-year-old girlfriend, Michelle, in the week prior to his death. Wow. And she had been encouraging him to commit suicide. Wow. Um, And the messages revealed that on the day that he committed suicide, he actually had gotten out of the car after he had started to gas himself and he texted Michelle and her text back said, just go and do it. You'll be better off. And so he hopped back in his car and died. Yeah. So um, she was actually charged with manslaughter Mm. in relation to his death. Okay. So causing the death of. Yes. And this is really unusual because Mm. when we think about causation, I mean, this is someone who was not physically present Mm. at the time he killed himself. Yeah. Nothing was done by her specifically to cause the death itself, mm. you know. So it it's unusual 
that the manslaughter charge was brought. Mm. And there was a little discussion by the judge as to why the manslaughter charge was justified. Mm. And it really came down to the fact that he did get out of the car asking for help really at that point, like not really wanting to do it. And so the courts said a duty of care. Yeah was created at that yeah. point and yeah. she breached that. And yeah. that's a fairly standard basis yeah. for a manslaughter charge. Yeah. She also pleaded guilty. Yeah. So the defence argued that the texts she had sent were protected speech, so freedom of speech was okay. argued to defend the yeah. charge yeah. Um, and that her threats didn't, her text didn't contain any threats and mm. that at the end of the day, Conrad exercised autonomy when he killed himself. And that is common to all of these cases. Mm. You can say that in all of those cases. Mm. And that is, um, so in terms of causing the death or these kind of cases, the the causal connection between the person who is uh, inciting it or something and the person who actually commits suicide, that's often where there's the problem, isn't it? Because the person who commits suicide does have a level of autonomy. Yes. They then make a choice. Uh, and so bringing some kind of criminal sanction to the accused person when somebody's exercised an autonomous choice can be problematic. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's... Yeah, it can be very problematic. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was sort of a landmark mm. decision in that Conrad Roy case. Um, having said that, she was sentenced to two and a half years. Yeah, I mean... Suspended you, after 15 months. Yeah, so you said she pleaded guilty. And so I first thought, well, so it hasn't been legally tested. None of this has, you know, been really legally tested. And I and I did. And I thought she's been given a plea deal. Yes, she was. That's why she pleaded. She was. So... It was appealed anyway, that sentence. And the appeal argued that if her conviction was allowed to stand, Massachusetts... Massachusetts, yeah. Uh, where it occurred, would be the only state to uphold an involuntary manslaughter conviction where an absent defendant with words alone encouraged another person to commit suicide. Mm. But it, it was upheld. Words alone are not enough. You've That's your position on Correct, uh, for provocation. provocation. Yeah. But Let words alone are it. enough. Let me twist it for this wow, one. Wow, okay. Yeah. The last one was 2019, and that was a boy called Alexander. He was at Boston College. Uh, and he committed suicide after his girlfriend psychologically abused him and urged him to kill himself. Yeah. So a number of the cases, we talked about the cases where people are urging others to to expressly talking about how they should mm. commit suicide. And, and that, I think, is covered by some of the um, legislation that we've got, some of the criminal laws in terms of inciting suicide. Then there's some of other ones where they're sharing, you know, intimate photographs or compromising photographs. And that is also covered now by charges about, you know, dis- distributing certain kinds That's of That's right, which are fairly new. They are fairly new, yeah. yeah. They're sort of the peeping Tom laws, I think they're called. Um, and I think, like, I think that's good. I think mm. it's great we have those charges. But I think where I really am struggling is that there is not enough of a deterrent to engage in this kind yeah. of conduct. yeah. It's this other report I read said traditional bullying bystanders have bystanders have a limited role. Yes. And that's right. But digitally, it's found that the volume of bystanders has the potential to be in the thousands or in some rare cases, millions of witnesses as a result of the content being spread online. Yeah. And it is the volume of all of that yes. which contributes to the anxiety and the 
feeling of hopelessness, which obviously yeah. leads to the suicide. Yeah. And so charging those millions of people is not practical. So I guess. But, uh, well, I mean, I, sorry, I understand that, it, you know, you, I, the person says, I've got a thousand followers. Somebody posts this horrible thing about me. My thousand followers can see it. That makes me feel terrible. Whether those thousand followers have seen it or mm. not is another thing. So, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think in that sense, being a a, a, a bystander who doesn't participate is exactly the same as sort of standing next to a fight that's happening. You know, then you're not sort of part of it. But and I, but I do appreciate the point that it really it contributes to that level of anxiety. Because I mean, in in a, having a fight, what are there five people standing around? Yeah, that's right. As opposed to compromising pictures or some just uh, abuse where there's a thousand people listening to it. Yeah, yeah. Potent potentially listening to it. Yeah, I mean, look, I can talk statistics all day, but the research at a um, 2017 pediatric academic societies meeting revealed that the admission to hospital for attempted suicide or expressing suicidal thoughts. The rate of that doubled between 2008 and 2015. Mm. Death by suicide represents 30.9% of all deaths in young people. Largest contributor, you said, to yeah. death of young people. So, um, well, so let me just go back. So you said something before, which I just want to sort of unpack and uh, uh, so you say you feel there should be reform, there should be more serious... Um, uh, ch um, punishments given out for cyberbullying so as to deter other people from doing it. Yeah. So so you're, am I right in saying when I say, oh, well, what about attempted, you know, uh, inciting suicide or what about, you know, these um, use of a carriage service? Your position is that's not enough because it's not, one, it's not a specific charge about cyberbullying and two, the punishments I get aren't necessarily yeah. going to be enough. Well, I think it does specifically address cyberbullying, particularly under the stalking charges. Yeah. But I think my problem is it's not being charged yeah. in these types of cases and if it were charged, the maximums are, you know, like if there's a maximum of two years, you know someone's going to get a community-based order. Yes. You know, like you're not yes. going to get two years yes. imprisonment. Yeah. I, I guess the reform, I mean, it has to go hand in hand with education. And yeah. I know that there are so many phenomenal programs out there about bullying and cyberbullying and the, the damage it causes. And they're all rolled out in schools from primary school through to high school it's not having the desired effect. Mm. And so what will make a change, you know? And so if we start to see people being held liable to some extent for a death, mm. whether that's through a manslaughter charge or a specifically created charge, maybe it would have some kind of deterrent effect. I just think it's hard enough navigating this world of technology without having to also you know, overcome yep. this kind of insidious and horrendous treatment. Yeah. There have been some reforms. Ireland in 2015, there was some draft legislation presented, one aimed to punish the behaviour of internet trolls mm. and the sharing of messages inciting to suicide or self-harm, the other criminalising the sending of grossly offensive or menacing messages. So mm. that was forward in Ireland. Austria has introduced a new law to clamp down on cyberbullying. The US has um, now got law based on Megan, who the mother oh, posed yes. as the 16-year-old. Mm. Um, and so this was 
criminalizing cyberbullying, criminalizing behaviors such as online terrorizing, intimidation, and the infliction of emotional distress. Mm. Uh, so that was enacted as a result of that case. Yeah, I mean, what a, and this includes a cyberbullying charge you read. Some of these the charges are, I just find problematic because of the words that they are using. What was that last one? Emotional abuse or something? I mean, if you so let's say you're in a WhatsApp group with your soccer team, somebody has a particularly bad game, you just are like, you know, why are you even in this team? What that was just terrible that game. Now. Let's assume that you do that every week because the person is just terrible and why are they even in the team? You know, I mean, they might say, well, I mean, I mean, I think my point is that, you know, there might be a level of justification for some of the stuff that you're saying. As a bully? No, well, well, my point is, is it bullying? I mean, if you're just like, you know, what, you, you know, if you're hard on your teammates and you are one of those players, I mean, I'm not saying Michael Jordan's a bully, but certainly he apparently was quite hard on his teammates in terms of holding them to a standard. If they didn't, he was very prepared to tell them that they weren't playing to the standard he was expecting. Now, let's assume that you're doing that in an online capacity. I mean, I don't think that's bullying in the in the way that I've just described it. But somebody if it's else received. Well, but as I say, if you're in a team, you're playing over throughout the whole season, and you are, you are very committed to the team, and you uh, want everyone to play their best, and and your the way and your modus operandi is to be very hard on people. And we know coaches and players who that's how they then do it. I They're never positive. I think that is cyberbullying because if that is the case, and you've got someone on a team who's not great. You don't go about it by posting in an online forum or um, attacking them. Well, it was, well, I mean, that's you're just it's just bad coaching. I mean, you must have no, been no. in a team where a coach has absolutely balled somebody out in front of the entire team, hundred percent, and done it regularly. Well, you know, but that's different. Like again, it's like traditional schoolyard bullying. You're taking it out of the here and now, and the person walks away and goes home, and it's done. Sure. Now we're looking at it where it is pervasive and consistently there and can be added to or and you can reread it and you do reread it. And so it like Sure, that but, that, is, but that that what you've just described isn't in those in the legislation that you've identified. Um I mean it just it just talks about repeated. So you could say, well, you know, somebody is very hard on their teammates, the captain of the team, very hard on their teammates. I've got a group WhatsApp chat. I mean, my daughter plays hmm. um Touch football, they've got a group WhatsApp chat. The coach is on the WhatsApp chat. Uh, I don't know what they say because I'm not on it, but you, let's assume that the captain of the team, so one of the players, is very hard on their team and is constantly calling out people in the chat for stuff they've done wrong in a game. Now, I'm not sure that that is bullying. If you are just commenting on the way that they've played uh, in terms of the game, you have a level of justification. It's repeated. It's online. It may cause emotional harm, but I don't think that that is something that should be criminalised. It's just bad coaching or just being a bad player or well, I, teammate. Well, I guess that's a degree of discretion then on... Yeah, on who? If, that's... You, if you complain about it, and you would know that people can complain, for example, of stalking behaviours that don't meet the definition of stalking and so they're not prosecuted. Well, one of my experiences with stalking is that it's often charged. It's an easy one to charge. It's defined so broadly that police often charge with stalking, but it rare, it's the first charge that they'll drop. And and I think that's probably because it's so broadly defined, it's Which, easy to charge. But let's err on the side of caution, Joe. Mm. Like, no, no, 
If that charge is dropped, then yep, okay. I, I would hazard a guess that for most stalking charges, if they're dropped, it's because there are other yeah, there's more other charges. serious charges yeah, yeah. to pursue. Yeah. So well, let's other charges err to pursue. Yeah. on the side of caution and bring the charge. And then if it fails to meet the legal definition, let's drop that one. Same here. If if it is a broad definition and it could potentially be meeting that, let's investigate. Let's see if that is an example of cyberbullying because if that led to one person committing suicide because of conduct like that on a sports WhatsApp chat, for example, then that's unacceptable. Well, And maybe coaches or team players or whoever need to think about what they're writing and that's the key. Oh, so I think we all need to think about what we're writing and try and be, you know, good people to oh, all our back friends to and nice relatives, to each other, being nice we? to each other. Yes. But but, so, but I have some real issues with charges that are broad, very broadly defined because because I think that they can, you know, well for a number of reasons, it places enormous responsibility on the police then because you know they can charge or not charge, uh, and so stalking very broadly defined charge all the time and and because I, it's broadly defined, I think charge, does meet the legal definition. And I'm like, good, let's fight this on the stalking and then they pull the stalking and they run with some other I charge. I think all the time, charging stalking all the time okay, well, is an exaggeration. Okay, yeah, so yeah. not charging all the time. I and in yeah. fact, there have been reforms to the stalking laws to make them more specific and to make them meet a particular threshold of proof in order to justify. Like I, I, I think that your concern there was probably valid but it is being dealt with. Like there are reforms all the time. Sure, sure, but it has to be dealt with by the words that are used in the and see that the cyberbullying that you read out from Queensland. I think I thought that was quite an odd way to describe it. I would have I would have really looked at harassing rather than somebody feels emotionally like they're going to be hurt emotionally or physically. But I, I, th- I think just say harass. These, Why don't you say harass? Because I think with these teens, it may not. It may not be harassment as such, but because of the age that these victims are and because of the complexities of their emotions and their development, emotional distress probably better fits where it may not actually meet an idea of harassment. You know, for you or I would be like, whatever, but for the teenage brain. Well, I, I, in all of those examples you gave, and you gave lots of them, the, the kinds of things that were being said to these people was just, it was just abuse. And, and so, I mean, I think that easily fits harassment. None of them were sort of line ball like what I described, where it was just like, well, there's, there's, there's some justification for the criticism because it's in a sports team. You know, so. Uh, so well, I, but I also worry, yeah. do I only have these sort of more extreme examples because they're the ones that garner the attention? What about all of the kids who have committed suicide and cyberbullying has contributed, but maybe they never told anybody? Maybe they didn't verbalise that to anyone and so we don't know exactly what, you know, like I think it's sure. such a such a complicated process to try and unpick what's going on in that mm. teenage brain, mm. but I think something needs to be done to demonstrate the seriousness of 
internet activity. Yeah. You know? My point is the law is a very blunt instrument to do that. And and I'm all for having a specific offence for cyberbullying. I just think it should be, I just think the wording needs to be really carefully done. I don't think that Queensland one's particularly good. It sounds just an odd way to say it. Um, and I don't think it focuses on, ironically, what would be the easiest to prove, which I think would be something like harassment. Um, oh, that, that emotional one, that was US. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that yeah, that last one you talked about the emotional. The mother. That was as a result of the mother. Yeah. 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 yeah oh, look, I, do, I I don't. You know, I say this to my students all the time. I I flag issues with our system, and then I say I don't know what the answer is, yeah. and I don't. But I feel really deeply mm. inside that it's not okay mm. to not try and deal with this issue because. We're only going to have more. Like now, we've got TikTok and you mm. know, all of the different platforms. Like it, it is relentless. Oh yeah, and they don't have the the autonomy, not the autonomy, but they don't have the facility mm. to step away. Mm. I agree with you, and I don't think anybody who's a parent or you know who can hear those cases, like like the case of Dolly, and not just you know be you know upset by it because mm. it's, it's incredibly upsetting for parents and i agree something should be done i'm not always convinced that the law is the best mechanism to do it because I, as i say the law is a very blunt instrument and and criminal and criminal sanction is the the worst sanction that we can put on people and if we are sort of going to that it's got to be the last resort we've tried everything else and it's not working now we're going to do criminal sanction it can't be the first thing we run to because then what do you do after that but it needs to be an option i think hmm, sure an option, I say the last resort. And, and I'm not saying we're not at that point. I think probably some kind of specific offence about cyberbullying, but I, I think the wording's got to be really I, careful. I think we should take a lesson from the Conrad Roy case mm. where there was no doubt she was instrumental in his ultimate decision. Mm. And I think that can be maybe the standard for holding someone accountable for death in a case of suicide, but that's, that's not an isolated case, you know. No. So, and I think that would be hard. The creating that that duty that was on her because he seemed to be asking for help. She then, yeah, told him to get back in the know. car. I mean, if you're just abusing somebody and telling them to kill themselves, I don't think there's any. I mean, maybe there's a general duty of care, the neighbour principle, but I don't know. But maybe we need a torts lawyer on here. But yeah. <laughs> that is not me. No. no. So yeah, it, I think it. Yeah, I think it can be problematic. I mean, there was a case in Australia, the Joe Chinque's Con Consolation, the book written by Helen Garner. Great book. Yeah, and that was the similar in the mm. sense that the the girlfriend encouraged him to kill, um, himself. kill himself and then didn't get ambulances when it yep. might have helped. Yeah, and she it was manslaughter. It was in the ACT. Yeah? That's right. And it was manslaughter, well, it, One wasn't of it? the first Judge Alone trials. Oh, was it really? One of the first Judge Alone trials, mm. yeah. So, um, I mean, it's similar to... Um, yeah, I think the difference is the physical presence, you know, and that's the barrier here. Yeah, so in, in that case, she was actually with him when he was an overdose of, uh, overdose of heroin yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what the means was, but, yeah, she was present. She was present, yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know, Joe. I don't know what the answer is, but I worry for our little people. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely. I do too. Oh, another point of agreement. Yes. Here we go. And that was it. All right. That was great. Thank you very much for that, Lizzie. Thanks, we'll, Joe. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode. You can find links to the cases that we discussed in the description. 
You can also find a link to Guardian Criminal Law, and a big shout out to them for making this podcast possible. The majority of criminal cases involve people, normal people, people like you, people like me, who find themselves in unusual set of circumstances that would not usually occur in their life. My name is Mark Savick, and I'm here to assist you with your criminal matter. I look forward to hearing from you and being of assistance to you. If you're interested in clips, you can look at them on Instagram and TikTok. Just search for Justice Matters Pod. See you next episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.